Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... Welcome to Hey Arnold Hey. This is Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. We're here at uh, my home. We've made a little switch. Usually it's at Adam's and we're at my home and you can't see it because you're using your ears. And that's <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay, if, if it's your first time here, we uh, here at Hey Arnold Hey, we talk about every episode of Hey Arnold, a great show about a football-headed kid. Um, today we're talking about Door 16 uh, and uh, Arnold is Cupid. Um, and if you're following at home, that's a little bit out of order. Um, but it really, it doesn't change much uh, with character development, character development and plot development. Um, we're we're actually having a guest next uh, next episode, um, someone who is going to talk through Helga's makeover and the old building with us. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, so yeah, this week this week we're just doing Door Sixteen and Arnold is Cupid. You can find it on Hulu Plus, um, probably YouTube. Somewhere on the interwebs. Um, yeah, other, just a few quick facts. We do have a website, Hey Arnold Hey. Um, we're on iTunes. If you could rate and review us, that would be great. Um, Emily Okada did our design. And Jim Lang brought the smooth jams. Yeah, always. He brings the smooth jams in every episode we watch. And so we, we want to put it on these episodes. You can hear hear this, his sweet jazz. Um I mean, anything else? Am I forgetting anything else? No, I think we're all good. I think we can cool. probably jump, hop right into door right number in. 16. Door number door 16, written by Rachel Lipman. Um, this is uh, an episode about a mysterious figure at Arnold's uh, boarding house. Um, his name is Mr. Smith. Uh, he's got like a pretty fantastic apartment situation. <laughs> he has like uh, cameras everywhere and like little peepholes uh, out of his door and like this claw like Arnold brings him his um dry cleaning at one point and and uh out of his door comes this like claw that like picks up the the um the dry cleaning and pulls it in and then he like shoots out this little thank you card that says thank you Arnold in fine script um yeah so early in this episode this all happens within the first minute you see that uh Mr. Smith is like a fine regal gentleman and you don't know much about him. And actually right away, the the other tenants of this uh, apartment building are complaining about him because they all share one bathroom except him. He gets his own. Um, And so they start complaining about why does he get all this stuff? And it actually like continues for several minutes where they keep saying, look at all the stuff he has and that we don't have. Um, He gets a bigger room. He gets a bathroom. He, uh, gets like special basically he gets special treatment what does he get and arnold of course points out well he pays more and on time you could do that too um and there's there's a point where mr smith walks down the stairs and if he was nondescript before he is nondescript even more so now he has no feet the animators drew him with no features on his face he's wearing a giant trench coat uh and so before even the main conflict happens in this episode the writers have kind of separated Mr. Smith from the rest of the characters. Mr. Smith is um, nondescript. He's unknown. And all the other characters are really curious about who this guy is. So 
the, pa- the, the fancy package that shows up is actually a package that this strange man shows up at the front door of Arnold's apartment with a package. Arnold answers. The guy says, this package is for Mr. Smith. Don't open it. The contents are very important. Make sure that Mr. Smith gets it. And so at this point, Arnold's like, sure, I could do that. And so he, you know, walks back into place. Everyone's like, oh, what's that package? And Arnold's like, oh, it's just, it's for Mr. Smith. And everybody goes, what? We got to open it. And I get it. This guy's like, Mr. Mis- Mr. Mystery. <laughs> no pun intended, I guess. Um, so uh, very quickly, Arnold realizes I got to get out of this place. And so he kind of enlists the help of Gerald to go find Mr. Smith so he can give the package to him. They go to different places that they've seen Mr. Smith. They go to his place of work, which is like a, seems like a spy place from the sixties, like maybe the CIA, like right when it was like launched in the cold war, there's like a thousand people named Mr. Smith that work there. And you know, Arnold and Gerald, obviously they can't find him and they almost, they almost open it up and then nuns pass them. And Arnold, Arnold's moral compass kind of kicks in and they decide to go back to the apartment complex um, and see if Mr. Smith is there. He's not, but grandpa and grandma are tied up and the tenants then chase after um, Arnold and Gerald and end up stealing the, the, this package from them and they, they rip it open like animals and Arnold calls he says, you guys are acting like animals and you kind of hear them like yelling and screaming and this box gets ripped up completely. And when you, when they look inside, they've ripped the only item in it, which was a photo that said my family. And it was a picture of all of the, the tenants at dinner together um, from one of Mr. Smith's cameras and um, they all feel horrible. They just, they, they're bummed out that they did that. And then moments later, the door knocks again. And it's that same strange man with the package, except he has a new package. And he says again, to complete the circle, this package is for Mr. Smith. This must get into his hands. It's very important. And that's the end of the episode. That's it. And I really like this episode a lot. It's, <laughs> it's a very good episode. It's a very loaded that package is very loaded and I love what the writers are doing with it. Um, what are, I mean, what's, is there some stuff that like you, that jumped out to you early on or what do you think? Yeah. I think that the, it's definitely dealing with the idea of the other and how people respond to the other. And then I think what is a very good, uh, storytelling, storytelling mechanism is the whole, how they inserted the package into the story because Mm -hmm. it sort of takes, uh, the idea of the unknown, which is represented in Mr. Smith, and gives it like this sort of um, tangible form that isn't human. And it still seems like it is an extension of Mr. Smith and it represents Mr. Smith. And the board people in the boarding house also think that as well because they feel like if they understand the contents of the package, they will better understand Mr. Smith as who he really right. is because he's created all of these walls around himself mm-hmm. and these mechanisms so that he doesn't have to engage. Well, it's, it's interesting, I guess. So clearly Mr. Smith is just a nice, quiet, private dude. You find that out at the end with that photo, Mm -hmm. but to play devil's advocate for it a little bit against Mr. Smith is he is allowed to see outward, but never inward. Like people Mm -hmm. can never look inward. So there are cameras looking out. He says, thank you, Arnold, with that card. He even, you know, he'll tip the hat, but he never says anything. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a weird voyeur thing. Like it's like reverse voyeurism. People aren't looking in at him. He's looking out at the rest of the world without people. Yeah. He, he's not letting anybody really in. 
um, which mm-hmm. is an interesting kind of, I guess, side conversation that the episode isn't really about. But I do think it's interesting that all of his cameras point outward and none of them point inward to his heart. <laughs> yeah. And I think that um, there is sort of with the um, at the very end of the episode there when they rip apart the package and they find the the picture, which it says like my family. And it's a picture of everyone that is uh, lives in the boarding house. I think that moment is really important because although they view him with disdain and they view him as the other in the way that they don't they don't trust him, they don't like him, they he gets preferential him. treatment. Yeah, they don't know him. All of that sort of things. He doesn't have that same feeling towards them, or because maybe yeah, it is yeah, different yeah, because yeah. he is able to look at them and they're not able to look at him, hmm. but he still views them in a familial way which shows like a certain level of affection. Yeah. So it's sort of that thing. He may or may not view himself as the other, but they definitely view him as the other. Yes. Yes. And maybe, and I was thinking about this as we were watching it, this kind of like flipped in my head was maybe he sent the package that way because they knew he knew how they were going to respond to it mm. and mm. that they would find it on their own because I can't think of a situation where he would give the, the, the picture to the people in the boarding house because he never engages with them. So maybe it kind of turned everything around in my head because at first I was thinking maybe he doesn't think of himself as the other. He views them affectionately, but they view him as the other. But instead, maybe I think he does know that there is that difference Mm -hmm. and he's sort of exploiting it in this way to show his affection to them in a way that they will understand. That's really interesting. And maybe that Mm -hmm. they will like, it'll shed some light in their own behavior or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I thought that was, it is a really, it's a really interesting episode it's done very very well there's certain comedic elements of it that are really good yeah um there's a bunch of little per, uh characters like peripheral characters that are really good too yeah. Uh, yeah it's a good episode yeah right right away the um i guess back to like the other thing something that when we were watching it you liked was them really um uh specifically the the tenants of the of the of the boarding house really specifically separating Mr. Smith as the other, really like distinguishing him as that and making him very distinct. And they kind of list off several things that he like has or hasn't done and that they can or can't engage with him. Um, they kind of list those off very matter of factly to Arnold. This traffic jam every morning. Hey, 13 borders, one bathroom. What do you expect? What about Mr. Smith? He has his own private shower. And a great big split-level suite. I don't like him. He thinks he's better than us. With his fancy clothes and tipping hat. Tip, tip, tip. Guy's lived here three years. He's never said a word. So, by them listing that off, I think the, the writers are kind of welcoming you in. Welcoming the viewer in first to consider Mr. Smith as other. And then when the animators animate him just like minutes later kind of featureless and with the tip of the hat and walking away, then that's a visual representation of what has been suggested to you. So you have no reason to think that he is this weirdo just because the borders have said something, but by visually showing that he has no, no nose, eyes or mouth, then you go, Oh, this guy is weird. Like who is this person? And it it makes the viewer when that package shows up, makes the viewer be just as curious as the rest of these characters. What could possibly be in it? So I think it's a, I think it's a good writing move um, to first suggest it just through the other characters and then do that visual example. That's great. 
And I think the thing that's kind of great about them using like a nondescript blank face for the character is that it almost allows you as the viewer and then the people in the boarding house to project oh, what they anything. want. Absolutely. Yeah, what Absolutely. they think onto him. And I think um, it, it's very fascinating. And I think that oh, interesting. while they are... So there's things that there's like questions that everybody has in, in the boarding house about what's wrong with this guy. The thing that ends up being funny is there is actually a weird element to him and a, probably sure. a funny backstory to him. Not funny, but interesting backstory yeah, to him yeah. because like Gerald says, like it seems like he's part of the CIA. There is definitely some sort of um, reason for the secrecy. So there's yeah. something that he is doing and it could be like spying on people in the neighborhood it could be doing just about anything and he is part of some sort of covert organization yeah um and so the the borders are on to something but they keep getting hung up on these really like petty sides to it which is basically he gets preferential treatment which is everything that pisses them off mm -hmm. and they just don't know anything about this dude and who the hell is this guy to go around acting like this when he's not acting like anything he's just minding his own business yeah um but there is something strange about him. And and Arnold and Gerald are the ones who get closest to understanding that yeah. because they go further as to following him and trying to find him yeah. and actually figure out in that process more about him. So I want to jump back to you just mentioned you mentioned something about projecting. And I think that's like a lot of this is about projecting the un like projecting into the unknown. Yeah. So part of that is it but like you mentioned, without physical features, you kind of project whatever you think onto him. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing happens with the box. And uh, so, f so for example, that they're, they're wondering what possibly could be in there. Who knows what Ernie and what um, Mr. Kakashko and Mr. Warner are thinking about inside there. They could be thinking of numerous things and that's really on them. That's not on Mr. Smith. That's their own unconscious kind of coming out. Um, and, I think that there is some psychoanalytic psychoanalytic theory that you could pull from. I'm not going to like nerd out on it, but I think by having an, an empty, not actually an empty box, but basically an empty box that you don't know the contents of having all these different people project what they think is supposed to be in it and looking actually for the person who it belongs to so they can find out what's in it uh, is a really interesting in if you think about like, I guess a psychoanalytic, psychoanalytic theory that the unconscious is unseen, but really, really sought after. Um, they want to know what's inside it. They, and part of that is because they, they want to know who is, who is Mr. Smith? What is, what is, what is inside of him? And if the box represents Mr. Smith, not only are they wanting to know what actually is going on inside the mind of Mr. Smith, they also are projecting that using their own, um, unconscious motives. And, and and the interesting thing is that it's really this information, it's of no consequence to the people in the boarding house sure. because he's not threatening. He's actually polite, even though he is secluding himself. Um, so it's less that they're concerned about something and it's more that they're just really uncomfortable with not knowing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's how most people feel about things mm. is it's that these other people that aren't myself or wh whomever, um, they don't have it, the way that they are doing whatever it is they're doing that I ha see as problematic it is of no consequence to me, but because I don't understand it, yeah. I think it's automatically problematic. And I notice as I'm, I'm trying to explain how I feel about this episode, the whole thing that is, this episode is centered around is like confusion. 
And the way yes. that I feel about this episode is very confusing because I, tr- I think I've gotten somewhere with it and then yeah. it just flips. And I think that that's kind of what happens even with the characters in the show mm. is they think that they have some level of understanding, but they really don't know anything. Absolutely. This is like the third or fourth time that, that uh, Arnold and Gerald are looking for a thing, whether, and it's not always running after, it's not always running after stuff. It might be like, them looking for the author of that pink book, right? Or it's running through caves to find the gold, um, or or looking for um, uh, the con- the owner of this box, and then eventually the contents of it as well. All three of those examples are very um, um, they dissipate. They're not. They're not. They're very difficult to have tangible examples of what they actually are. So. I think the common theme in this show maybe is like searching for things that are kind of not just intangible, but like intangible and un things you're unable to actually get. And I don't know if that's, it's a bit, it seems like a bit of like an existential crisis. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And I don't know. I think they do a very good job of portraying sort of that feeling. And how different people react in different moments to that feeling. And that's what they, happens like throughout this entire show. Yeah. Is yeah. It's kind of like how does this different this community react to these certain situations as they arise? Yeah. And in this situation, they go full on Lord of the Flies. They yeah. like th- those tenants go crazy. They mm-hmm. When they rip it apart, there's like they sound like animals. It's crazy. And Arnold calls them out too, saying you guys you guys are acting like animals. And I mean, it's kind of on the nose, but I guess ripping apart that that photo that says my family that shows insane dysfunction. Like that family is not functioning well. It's not healthy. Um, and that's part of the point, I guess is showing, allowing these characters to feel bad for what they did, but also letting the viewers see, wow, this is, this is an unhealthy living situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is anything else that you're thinking about with this episode at all or, no, I had a hard time with this episode. I found it to be very confusing. But like, you liked it. I really, really liked it a lot. It's, it's funny. It was funny, and it was one of my. It was probably uh, my favorite episode we've seen so far. But it's been the hardest for me to like figure it out and ha- mm-hmm. figure out how I, I feel about it beyond the fact that I like it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's about the unknown. It's about the other. Um, you know, it's talking about what is family, uh, what is normal, um, and there's this like chase. They're getting, they're jumping into the chase again. Those are, I think, some major themes, but I think we, yeah, I think we've unpacked that a little bit. Um, and it's, it's different. The, the next episode is character development specifically, whereas I think, yeah, the, I, I think Mr. Smith or door 16 is less about character development and more about uh, like discovering the unknown. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like even like the train episodes and different episodes, like how people respond to situations. Yes. Yeah. And typically how people act like animals. That's like a theme I've yeah. noticed in all yeah. of these. Yeah. Like we're trapped like rats in, um, in the subway episode. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's sort of just watching people go insane slowly. Yeah, I guess. And this is a bit of a tangent, but I realize there's a lot of mob mentality in this in this TV show. Mm. It happens with the school kids. It happens in the boarding house. It's sort of this thing where the worst ideas seem to get pl- Oh man, I just butchered. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, it's words the end of the night. Yeah, words are hard. I've been up since five. Yeah, but oh. so the worst ideas seem to catch the most traction when there's more people around. Yeah, and yeah, and I think this episode shows that very well. Definitely. So next episode is Arnold as Cupid. 
um, which is a story of Arnold getting thrown with way too much weight, like the weight of a couple with, would you call it abuse is the wrong word. Neglect is the wrong word. Dysfunction, I guess. Right. I think this episode really, no, it doesn't irritate me. It just hits me in a weird emotional way because I feel like it's the way that women view men, like the, the potential pitfalls of like typical male behavior, I think like pushed to its extreme. So the guy, Mr. Kokoschka, is yeah, that his name? Yeah. Is a total doofus and <laughs> yeah, he yeah. cannot do anything right. And he's a wreck, it's, but his selfishness at his what core is. That's what is, is a thing that all men hold and all men wrestle with. And some people, they wrestle with it more than others and that women are terrified of. And it's that idea of sort of being an absent partner in a way yeah. where you're putting yourself first and you're not a romantic Right. You're not really involved in the relationship. You're just sort of coasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, you're with this other person, but you're not with them like on the same way that they wish that. Sounds they were. like you have a lot of relational things to think that you're thinking about. This here. one really affected me. Yeah, yeah. So what? So what happens is, uh, Mr. Kakashka's uh, Oscar. We'll call him Oscar. I'm not going to keep calling him Mr. Kakashka. It's too long. <laughs> Oscar Kakashka gets kicked out uh, by his wife Susie because he's just a selfish dude like he's a hor- he's a horrible dude and he goes around to every tenant saying can i stay with you he's from like czechoslovakia or something and they all say no you're a terrible dude and so right away you see okay it's not just Susie; it's everybody in the house knows that he's a he's a sc- he's a scam artist he's, he's a consistently selfish yes yeah, consistently selfish and so he moves into arnold's room which is a really funny gimmick um that has some great comedy writing but I think what it's actually doing is it's showing what is Mr. Kakashka's, I did it already, what is Oscar's life with Susie, but let's watch it when he does it with someone new who's seeing it with fresh eyes. So Susie is going to nag him in a different way than Arnold is because Arnold's seeing it for the first time. He's going to give him the benefit of the doubt, like, well, it's just for a few days. It's not just for a few days. He he ends up like making Arnold sleep in late for school because he says, oh, the alarm was going to wake me up. And then he ends up, you know, inviting cr- the same crooks that are, at, you know, making counterfeit pennies. He invites them over to play poker and he gives away, he, he loses in a poker game, um, Arnold's, uh, stereo. Like he's a, ter- he's a terrible dude. And eventually Arnold's like, I got I gotta do something. And so he decides that he's going to play Cupid, which isn't the name of the episode. Arnold is Cupid. Um, and he decides he's going to convince Susie and, uh, Oscar to get back together. Um, so they have like a romantic dinner on the roof, except it goes horribly wrong because you see all of Oscar's worst tendencies coming out. He's, um, rude, he's loud, and he is extremely selfish. And the worst part is when like, basically it's the climax is there's only one cherry tart because the other one fell on the ground. And instead of giving it to Susie, he just eats it himself without any kind of like, Oh, like, you know what? I want to give this to you. He just eats it. Just completely clueless. And that, for whatever reason, the cherry tart was the straw that broke the camel's back. And Susie's like, you're never going to change. And then Arnold right behind her says, you know what? She's right. You're never going to change. I don't want you. To, I don't want you to live with me anymore. He doesn't say that, but basically you get that idea. And the next scene is Oscar leaving. He He's packing up. He I don't know if he actually realizes what he's done. Like he doesn't. At the end of the episode, you don't go, oh, he's learned something. No, he's just figured out a way back into Susie's life. And what he does is he, as he's leaving, Susie stops him, offers him 50 bucks, says, you know what? You're going to need some money for the road. And 
Oscar does have a moment of, he didn't learn anything, but he has a moment of compassion and a moment of shame. And he decides he's not, he doesn't feel good taking the money. So he says the phrase, you keep the money. And for whatever reason that set a fire under Susie and she's like, I'm back, baby. Let's get, (laughs) let's get back together. Um, and I guess that's sweet that they can like figure it out, but at the same time, it's still, I don't, I didn't finish the episode thinking, oh, all is well in Kakashkaville. No, I thought, well, I guess it's cool that they're back together, but they got a lot to work on and, and their, and their relationship is continues throughout the, the series. And you see a lot more of their inner life, which is kind of cool to see like dysfunction function, if that makes sense. Um, like most good relationships. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's, let's talk relationships with Adam Smaha. This is where I really shine. The guru. Um, yeah, there, there's a few, um, we'll, we'll try to keep it as, as much on Oscar as we can, but I have a feeling (laughs) my own shortcomings will find their way to the surface. So, uh, there's the scene that you mentioned where Oscar bets, um, Arnold CD player in the poker game with the criminals and, when he realizes that he loses it, um, it shows sort of the repetition of this bad behavior. Come on, Oscar, it's your bet. Okay, okay, I raise you 50. Oscar, you don't have any chips left. Don't worry. I bet this CD player for collateral. <laughs> Mr. Kakashka, that's mine. Don't worry, Arnold, I can't lose. I can't believe I lost. Yeah, who would have thought you'd lose with a pair of threes? Eh, it's no problem. I'll win it all back next week when the game comes over. Because he thinks that he um, will just win the stereo back the next the next time they play poker next week, and it's like this sort of stupid optimism. And um, you can tell that that's sort of how he views his relationship with Susie, where he can screw up, he can screw up, he can screw up, but she will always take him back. And mm. he views that same his uh, friends or his board boarding room mates or boarding house mates. I don't know. Tenants. Like, I don't know. Tenants. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever the hell they are. Um, it, he views them that same way as well, because when Susie kicks him out, he goes to Oscar and all these different characters in the boarding house. And he says, Oh, can I please stay with you? Susie kicked me out. And everybody proceeds to tell him like, go the hell away because you owe me money. And they have this like list of grievances essentially. Yeah. So he's burned all of his bridges successfully. So, it appears that there is there is a breaking point with these people with Oscar, but it seems that Susie probably like um, her breaking point is like not at the same place. Much higher. Much higher. Much yeah. Higher. Because she she love is a weird word. Yes. She cares for him. Well, and lo- <laughs> she cares for him, and love lets you get away with a lot of things. Yes. yes. That you would never get away with in like more platonic relationships. Which is the beauty of romantic relationships, but it's also sort of the terrifying part of them as well. Right, right. And you see that both in this episode, because you see the potential romance and the love and sort of this idea of unconditional love, but then you also see how it makes you like more susceptible to being mistreated mm. and taken advantage of. And so it shows you like the two different sides of that. Mm. And obviously, if Susie wasn't with Oscar and she was with a more normal dude, whatever the, that may look like. Um, but I f- have a feeling a normal guy would even have similar Oscar characteristics, even though not yeah, extre- yeah, yeah. as extreme. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then it, it obviously wouldn't, they wouldn't be in the same place, but I think there's a little bit of Oscar in most men. 
Yeah, and their worst and their worst moments. Yeah, yeah, and, and most people as well. But yeah. I think it's there's something about it. I think that's like very oh, yeah. He's bad so, boyfriend sort he's of so cliche. dumb. He's so not not just dumb like book smart dumb, but just relationally clueless. clueless. Yeah, yeah. And this is to me like the rewatching this. The first thing I thought was, this is heavy stuff. This is this is two married adults falling out of love because one of them is neglectful i guess like like relationally neglectful and it's thrown into arnold's lap like where why are his grandpa's grandparents not telling like they should have said no oscar this is not appropriate you have to either stay with Susie or leave those are the options which then there wouldn't be a story right i mean it it makes for a fun story um but even even gerald um mentioned something he kind of calls out like you cannot mess yeah. with this. Too bad you can't get him back together with his wife. Hey, wait a minute. That's it. I'm gonna get Mr. and Mrs. Kakashka back together. I don't know, Arnold. Messing with grown-ups love problems is a dangerous thing. Maybe, Gerald, but I gotta do it. I gotta get my room back. And I think what Gerald is pointing out is actually the that that's the first thing I thought of rewatching it, is Arnold is clearly in over his head. He's having to I mean, he's a kid who doesn't really understand what love is and how complicated it is and how how these two adults, they got married and they are in a neglectful, really unhealthy relationship. And he doesn't have the faintest idea. And so to me, it's kind of crazy that this nine-year-old is thrown in kind of over his head. Um, and again, it makes for a good story because Arnold kind of is a moral compass and he's a helpful dude. Um, but it still is a, it's a, kind of a not tragic situation, but clearly unhealthy. Um, but funny. I mean, I, I love, I love this episode because of the writing behind Mr. Kakashka is pretty good. I think. Yeah. And I think it, no, it is really good. This episode's also, I think this set is really good. Yeah. And, um, I think that this pushes something forward that we've talked about through a lot of these episodes, which is like a personality trait of Arnold's, which is Arnold is the fixer. Yes, absolutely. And he plays that a lot, but I think this is, um, sort of, it's an interesting way of um, representing that within Arnold because I feel like this is a dyna- dynamic that maybe kids who go through divorce maybe would play like a bit of a role like this. Interesting. Where they want to um, sort of see this relationship succeed because it benefits them like in a really sort of, um, I don't know, it, it, there, there's obviously an emotional side to it, but it's like more of a not physical but where i don't know it's just like they he, they don't want to see the house like yes. be dissolved yeah like right, arnold right. just wants his room back yeah like Ar- yeah. like kids don't want their parents to get divorced because they don't want to have to go it is yeah. inconvenient yeah. yeah it's a logistical problem yeah. you don't want to have to go between two houses yeah. like you want you you like your neighborhood you have your friends there and your family's here and you know you know you know what you're going to expect every single day yes so it's yes. a logistical nightmare to have your parents get divorced and that's sort of what arnold is going through like he doesn't really care wow. about them falling their relationship falling apart he cares about having his room to himself and Oscar not bring the criminals over to his room and all of those things. And that was another thing. I couldn't get that word logistical. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. find it. That, that's actually <laughs> such an interesting, I wonder, I wonder if the writer was thinking, I want to do a story about divorce without doing a story about divorce. And, and I think that because I've, my parents are still together. I, I've never lived through divorce, but I've had friends that have gone through divorce and I've watched a lot of movies where divorce happens yeah, yeah, yeah. throughout my life. It's a trope. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you see that sort of dynamic where the kids, 
they don't understand the gravity of what's going on. Right. That these people have made a life together yes. and it's being destroyed. All they know is their life is going to change dramatically. And how yeah. does that affect them? And they're not going to have criminals in the room like Arnold, but they will have sort of this, the same problems. Like their life will just change. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I think that's a, even if it's not explicit what the writers are trying to do, it's an interesting thing to pair with the common divorce story for sure. Good point. Very oh, astute thank of you. you. Thank Very you. Thank good. you. Grabbed that one right out of the air. <laughs> well, <laughs> and now you know the secret behind our success. <laughs> or lack thereof. Depending sure. On how you sure. Um, uh, the, the on the nose, though, moment at the in this episode is when at the very end, Susie says, oh, you've thought of someone else before yourself. So if nothing else, this episode is about how to care for others. Um, and that's a nice thing to teach nine-year-olds who are watching this show. Um, or the parents that are parents. watching it with yeah, their nine-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's simplistic, but very true. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the simple act of Oscar saying, no, you keep the money was a symbol of him saying, I care for you. Very, very yeah, simply. Definitely. And I think they do this a lot in the episodes where it's like these two different maybe morals or storylines that are running parallel. So right, it's like right. you're watching Oscar and Susie's uh, relationship go across, but then you're also seeing how Arnold is responding to right, it. Right. So these things, they're like, they're very, very related. There's correlated, but they run very much parallel. Right, right. And you can draw different things from them, but they definitely influence one another. They influence each other for sure. Um, I think we're good on this episode. Oh, but we almost forgot. Cry of the Week. Cry of the Week, our wonderful week. segment that everybody seems to love. Yeah, everyone's been talking all about it. What do you think? I know what I think. You, let's lead with you. All right. It's, it's okay, so it is in Arnold is Cupid, and it's actually before Oscar, turn, Oscar says you keep the money. There's a moment when Oscar's leaving. He's walking down the stairs. He says, goodbye, Arnold. And he's about to knock on his old door, on Susie's door. And the music kind of plays, and he decides, I'm not even going to knock on it. And he turns around, and it's 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 so damn good. It's like, like it it gave me the chills because I think because it's good production quality. The music is really good, and like the animation of the hand, like about to knock and not is good. It is a, is a good moment, but I think it's it's so lonely and sad and empty. Yeah, there's an emotional that weight. moment without any. He doesn't say a word. Yeah, there's no knock. There's no word. Even it just it. it's an emptiness, and it's broken by Susie opening up the door. But him, the moment before. As he's moving his hand towards the door and not knocking on it. That's that's the cry of the week for me. How many tears? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half tears? Yeah, like, that's didn't good. bring me to tears, but it's like... Not a full cry, but it's... Yeah, a, it's, it gave me the shivers, good. sure. Yeah, it's an improvement from last week's, I think. I think it was two last week. Oh, it was? So two and a half, we made a half yeah, tear? Half half tear. <laughs> uh, my cry of the week would be... And if it's the same thing, it's okay. No, it's not. This is where it takes a real personal turn. When he... Eats the cherry tart mm. instead of giving it to her. That really got me. It was like a punch in the gut. I'm <laughs> going with three tears because I know I took it to the next level wow. because I have felt like that stupidity where it's that dope moment. Like, why did I do that? You know, in my own life. Yeah. And when you see it happen to somebody else, you're like, man, you really blew it. You That was so easy. But you. Yeah. The easiest. It's, like Arnold winks at him. Yeah, it's like the thing of like, well, what should we do for Valentine's Day? 
uh, I don't know, like maybe nothing. Yeah, I'm fine with doing nothing too. But you know, nothing is not the right thing to do. You still need to do something. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if you think it's like this corporate boring holiday just to buy things, and even if you both agree with that, you still have to do something. Nothing is not an answer. You have to read between the lines a little bit. And seeing Oscar not read between so, the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The really, bold lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like really got to me. Three tears, easy. Easy. There you have it, folks. You heard it here yeah. first. And I think it's funny that we're, we did Arnold is Cupid like three days after Valentine's Day. I did, Oof, we did not plan that. Wow. I mean, we did plan that. We can thank we, our, our future guest's hectic schedule yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> for that and our own schedule, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will be back uh, in a few weeks with another episode. Um, watch uh, Helga. What is it called? Uh, Helga's makeover and Helga's makeover. we might as well say it now just to like everyone who stuck it out to the very end our guest is blogger extraordinaire Courtney Halverson and you can find her on um, Instagram under the name pretty little fawn um, oh. yeah F-A-U-N or F-A-W-N fawn uh, F-A-W-N okay yeah not like fawning over her like a fawn got it got yeah it. Um, yeah she's a wonderful very funny person she's an actress as well um, yeah, she's just all around really great lady. Yeah, we're think we're thinking when we have when we have Helga centric episodes, we're two dudes talking about girl stuff, and when that's we can, not right. It's to not do. right. So we're trying to bring in some more female voices, and this is the first. This is the first this go is at our it. Our first crack at it. Yeah. So check in with us in a few weeks. Uh, thanks again for showing up. Thank you guys. Bye bye. Bye.